Hi, this is Gordon Russell, host of The Neutral Ground, the New Orleans Advocate's weekly podcast on the stories behind some of the stories that are making waves in South Louisiana this week. Thanks to our sponsors, Gardner Realtors, and thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm joined today by uh, Jeff Allison and Jessica Williams, our two city hall reporters. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. And uh, we are going to start by talking a little bit about Latoya Cantrell's first year in office. Um, You guys published a big kind of roundup of that first year this weekend. Uh, And I guess the overall takeaways were, I mean, the year has really been dominated, wouldn't you say, by uh, Mayor Cantrell's uh, fight for infrastructure money, which has been also sort of involved a lot of tangling with tourism leaders. and it's a fight that you'd have to say was a was a win for her in the end, although there's some debate about how much the tourism industry gave up. But can you guys sketch out what, let's start with what, what was she asking for and what did she get? Um, well, she was, uh, uh, the mayor was asking for about $75 million in upfront money to help fund the Sewage and Water Board. And then she was hoping to get the, um, uh, the tourism industry to kick in about forty million dollars a year uh, toward uh, toward just general infrastructure in the city, largely sewage and water board, but also could go to, go to streets and things like that. Um, the ultimate idea from the mayor's office was to take that forty million dollars, combine it with another forty to sixty million dollars that would come from the city through drainage fees or taxes or, or some other source, and um, put that all toward uh, a grand long-term infrastructure plan. And she did pretty well with it. She ended up getting um, about $50 million in upfront money for the Sewage and Water Board, about um, getting the the tourism industry to agree to uh, a series of new taxes that altogether, uh, mostly taxes on hotels and short-term rentals, that altogether would bring in about $26 million. So she didn't get quite what she wanted. uh, you know, she about did, this is about two thirds of what she was asking for. Then, roughly um, speaking, or yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so I guess you know the good news is we there's going to be more money being put into infrastructure. I guess some people felt like the tourism industry was getting too much money, and this doesn't really change that. This just creates largely creates new sources of money. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's that's right. The the tourism industry isn't isn't losing a ton of money out of this. Uh, there's going to be a few million dollars uh, overall that they're going to, to have to give up. Taking um, some money out of the convention center. Uh, well, they're, they're taking. There's about twenty eight million dollars in convention center funds in the one time money. Right. And on the recurring side, um, there, there's not a lot of money that's being shifted to the city. You know, on the edges, um, tourism might lose a little bit, but you know, there there are some people out there who are hoping for a much bigger uh, chunk of this money to come from uh, tax money that already that currently goes to to uh, the tourism industry. Um, so that is a criticism, I think. You know, uh, the fact that she was able to bring in so much money um, in recurring revenue, which is something other mayors have tried before and not. Uh, succeeded in um, uh, is going to be a, a powerful win for her uh, in this first year. And it's worth too noting the strategy and what she did 
and how she got here. You know, she started out announcing this idea that had sort of been seen as something that, you know, was a an uphill battle to say the least. It was something that other folks had kind of floated but had never really gone anywhere. Um, but what she did that was different was that she started this political action committee or she had one going and she started making direct appeals to the voters about, you know, why we needed this money. You know, this would be something that would benefit the people who were sick of seeing, you know, their streets flooding and incidents and instances like we had uh, just yesterday who were tired of seeing the sewage and water board just sort of really have these embarrassing blunders publicly like workers sleeping on the job and, you know, pipes, water mains that burst. And she really tapped into that frustration in a way that is reminiscent of the type of strategy that got her elected. Um, in the beginning, you know, Governor John Bell Edwards, you know, immediately gave it just a hard no. Other, you know, powerful lawmakers said it's not going to happen. But over time, you know, once they saw that, you know, she was willing to sort of fire folks up about this, um, and then given the timing and the, you know, just the continued blunders, embarrassing failures of the Sewage and Water Board, she was able to convince those groups to at least all get at the table and come up with some sort of solution. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we hadn't seen when past this type of effort had been undertaken by past leaders. Well, and, and it's worth noting, and Jessica can probably go into this further, but she's also done a very good job of using that pack and that sort of direct mobilization uh, now in two millage votes, uh, one she supported, one that she, uh, she opposed, and uh, has both of those votes went, went the way she wanted. So there does seem to be some value in this kind of uh, direct and Galvanize sort of, the people and yeah. then, you know, get them around the same table with what you want to do and, and then build up your support from there. And um, it was, it was, it was definitely of, a more frontal assault on the yeah. tourism industry than I think we've seen. Um, so, uh, and, and it was, as you said early on, I think there was a lot of skepticism that this would work. Now, along the way, a lot of business leaders kind of came on board. Which, mm -hmm. and, and what do you think that was a result of the, the pack, or do you think that was a result of some of the lapses that you mentioned that we kept seeing? The, the people, what 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 caused? Because I think that also put a lot of wind in her sails. I mean, she she sort of took on the fight, but initially, I don't think she had a lot of business support behind this, and then eventually, she did. I I think. I think there has always been some business support behind some of this, just in the sense, uh, and, and behind uh, Cantrell, to be yeah. honest. Um, but, you know, I think there's members of the business community recognize both the, the business challenge that not having functioning infrastructure creates and the personal challenges. A lot of these people live in the city right. and have to deal with the same stuff uh, everyone else does. Um, so surprisingly, the business community has been um, fairly supportive of the idea of getting money, getting more money for infrastructure. It has, frankly, also been willing to entertain ideas like higher taxes and, and right. fees and things like that, which aren't always something you expect from those groups. I mean, maybe it's partly an issue of, that in this town, like the business community and the tourism community are intertwined or or they're sort of like a Venn diagram that overlaps somewhat because we're such a tourism heavy town that a lot of business leaders are also tourism. Leaders. Well, and I, I think that's what, what the real interesting divisions that are now being created are, is you have people that are business people, business leaders whose entire business is focused on tourism, 
But then you have business leaders whose entire business has nothing to do with tourism. It has to do with the port, or it has to do with, you know, some types of manufacturing and things like that that we still have here. And they don't care if uh, the city's going to have a little less money to promote uh, tourism in, you know, wherever. Right. They want streets that work. They want toilets you know, that flush. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also telling. I mean, even when you speak about the tourism industry and the the folks that come here for conventions and things like that, I mean, it's embarrassing for the city to have you know these major events and then have to for these visitors to have to blow their water yeah. during you know their their visits here. And that's one of the things that the PAC and the mayor was successful in pointing out. They sort of turned that argument that well, the tourism back industry is back on its head. Yeah. You know, well, if we don't have Toilets that flush. We're right. not going to have any tourism. I mean, industry. I've always it's been exactly so. Right. I've been surprised that that I mean that the tourism industry hasn't figured that out itself. Or I mean, it's, it does seem like it's a real detriment. And even you, you guys mentioned yesterday's rainstorm. I mean, I saw a lot of pictures on Twitter yesterday about you know tourists standing on Canal Street or in Treme or wherever, and you know knee deep water with their suitcases. And you know, it's not something that then you figure people go back to Peoria and rave about what a great time they had in New Orleans when they, you know, the place they were staying in and wound up in mm -hmm. with a two feet of water in the living room or whatever. I mean, it's, and that's, that doesn't happen all the time, but the boil water advisories happen with quite a bit of frequency and it's, you would think it's not a great look. And certainly if part of the job of tourism is maybe you're hoping some of these people want to move here someday, I think it's really not, it doesn't help you in that, you know, it leads to this sort of New Orleans is an is an interesting place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there when when you come to a place with terrible infrastructure. I, I think that's right. Yeah. So what did we? Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about Latoya Cantrell's first year. So so uh, you covered lots of ground in this piece. Obviously, I mean her her year seems like it's been dominated by this fight for more infrastructure money. But there was also a little bit about her governing style. Um, she views herself as a champion of transparency and openness, but that uh, isn't a view shared by everyone. And there was a mention in the story of how she didn't agree to a, an interview with with our newspaper because she didn't want a certain reporter to be there. That was you, Jeff. I take it, right? Uh, yes. Okay. That's my understanding. <laughs> and and uh, so so talk a little bit about. I mean, how did, how did, what did the people you guys interviewed say about her her style? One of the things that was interesting about that is, you know, when the sort of insidery thing, like, you know, the mayor doesn't want to interview with a specific reporter, you know, we sort of, um, you know, talk about that internally. But one of the ways that it plays out in the public is when you have, you know, a certain news organization that for whatever reason hasn't been able to get in communication with the mayor. You know, some of the criticisms that we heard was that her overall vision seems fuzzy because mm -hmm. I pick up, you know, NOLA.com or I pick up the Times-Picayune and I don't know what she's doing or I only listen to this TV station that for whatever reason she doesn't want to work with. So I don't know what she's doing. And there's sort of, even though she's getting out her message in other ways, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, um, in different, uh, you know, capacities with the news organizations that she has established a relationship with, that isn't necessarily touching everyone. And the criticisms that we heard was that there's a broader vision. You know, we just need to hear more about a broader vision from her that we haven't heard. Um, and you think some of that may owe to the fact that she's picked and chosen who she's, how she's communicated, whereas maybe past mayors uh, just agreed to sit down with the major news organizations 
most of the time, regardless of whether they like everything they had reported. I think so. I mean, I yeah. think that's fair. Um, well, and I think, I think, and this goes back to the sort of perpetual campaigning uh, by uh, by the um, the mayor's team is it seems like the mayor uh, has much more of a focus on directly um, uh, controlling, directly speaking to voters through uh, methods that she controls, like Facebook or social media or other social media things like that. Um, Whereas previous mayors might say, we want to deal with this issue, so we're going to release a plan and a broad strategy and, and share our vision with, you know, the media and trust the media to, uh, to share that vision with people and, and sort of have that broad conversation. Um, this administration seems to be focused on reaching out to the people that are already, um, that they're already sort of in conversation with through, through social media, social media and yeah. those sorts of things. So in other words, part of it just has to do with a changing media landscape where where you don't necessarily regard the traditional media as, as somebody that you necessarily have to deal with if you don't feel like it. I think so. I think another thing when you speak about transparency and openness, you know, the tone for that was set a little bit in the beginning of the transition when, you know, there were these non-disclosure agreements that she had folks involved in those various committees sign. And that was something that we hadn't seen happen before. You know, she seemed as though she was going to take a similar approach that her predecessor did with holding the sort of wide tent um, of folks who could come and, you know, opine on pretty much every major issue that she was going to be facing over the next four years. But then she tells them not to talk to anybody about the work that they're doing. And that left us our taste in a lot of folks' mouths, and I think it sort of set the tone for what was to come a little bit. And every other decision that she made where it seemed like she was being less than open, people then referred back to that that right. original first decision of the, to do the NDAs, such as the traffic cameras. Right, right. And then we had that memorable story where uh, Jeff, I think, wrote the story about the um, meeting. It was a public meeting of the Sewers and Water Board where I think Councilman Joe Geruso was questioning the board about it's how much money it was owed and there was and he was kind of giving them a hard time and you wrote what happened at the meeting and the mayor called you to to sort of question your allegiances uh, or is I, that a fair I, way of putting it <laughs> well I, I i believe what she said was uh she asked me uh whether i was trying to screw the city right <laughs> um, so i'll leave that to right the, well uh, i guess it, it seemed like it was a little bit of a a little bit of a maybe misunderstanding of what the media's role in such I, a situation is. I, I, I think that's right, and I think that there, um, you know, there there is it, it, it is worth noting that uh, I apparently am not the only one that uh, the mayor said that sort of thing right. to. We've heard reports that lawmakers and officials and, and people at various points, uh, particularly involved in these negotiations uh, over infrastructure. Um, when they disagree with the mayor, they've been asked, why are you trying to hurt the city? Or why, right. why, why, why don't you want to help the city? Or things like that. And there does seem to be some sort of a mindset there of, you know, are you, are you on board with the administration's ideas of how, um, of what's good for the city? Or are you deliberately trying, trying to, to hurt yeah. the city? Yeah. Right. When those may not be the only two options. Right. Right. And in the People case can of, have different. And in the case of the media, of course, we're not supposed to be. We don't really have a dog in the fight. I mean, we may all live here, but we're we're merely 
covering what was what Joe DeRusso says at the meeting, and right. we're not uh, we don't have a rooting interest per se. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, just to wrap up about yesterday's uh, sort of uh, latest flooding event and uh, how bad was it, and what do we know so far about? Um, it seems like these things are happening with increasing regularity at a time when our infrastructure is is a matter of intense public debate, but how bad was it and, and how much of it owes to the problems we've had with pumps and, and that sort of thing? Um, so, so yesterday's flooding um, came after uh, a rainfall that that really seems to be slightly, slightly less intense than we saw on August 5th, 2017, which of course was the flood that sort of kicked off this whole right. conversation about sewage and water board and infrastructure uh, back when happened under Mitch Landrew. Um, so the total amounts of rainfall were slightly less. It seems like it happened in a slightly more compressed time frame. So probably it's roughly hard around the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, and the extent of the flooding seemed to be roughly in line with that. I know um, my street flooded and the last time it flooded was uh, in August of 17. Um, saw a lot of other uh, areas of the city that hadn't flooded since then that, that also uh, took on water. Um, so I think the, um, you know, in terms of the scope, we're talking about something that's very similar. Now, exactly sort of how much, uh, whether these are, are happening with increasing frequency, whether an increase in frequency would be due to issues of the sewage and water board, issues with more intense storms, climate change, climate change, yeah. you know, I think it's hard to say some that of that's, stuff. yeah. I mean, because I, it does, I mean, obviously there's climate change and obviously over the long, it does lead to more frequent events, but we don't have enough of a pattern to say that's definitely it, but it does seem like we've had a series of these. And we've also, uh, we just opened the Bonnie Carrick Spillway right. again right. for the third time in two years. Um, there's certainly evidence in that direction. I, I mean, if, if you ask, I think, any climate expert, um, they will tell you that the changing climate is going to lead to more intense storms, more severe weather. And, and particularly with rainfall, you're going to see um, uh, larger volumes of rainfall, more... Um, more intense uh, rainfall, and and that's going to be an issue. Which begs the question: Now that the Sewage and Water Board, you know, has this new funding through this deal, what is its long term vision? I think that's a lot of um, that's the thing that's on a lot of people's minds right now, particularly as their cars dry out and they're dealing with their insurance companies for yet another time. Um, you know, and that's going to really be, I think, a key part of the mayor and Gassan Corbin's uh, next year around. You know, is figuring out how we're going to spend this money, how we're going to build the public's confidence in this agency, especially given everything that's happened over the past two years, and sort of where, what's the best strategy for moving forward where people can feel confident in the work, not only that we've done in securing this money, but, you know, just what we're going to do with it. Yeah, well, and I think yeah. I think the mayor is going to be facing some pressure to show results very quickly on this, too. I mean, normally yeah. when you're talking about major infrastructure projects, you're talking about years and years uh, yeah. to even get these things into the ground and uh this administration has actually done really well at you know navigating the red tape and getting projects uh started that sometimes hadn't quite moved as quickly as they should have during the landry administration or it completely stalled out um but if you think about it i mean the mayor is going to be uh facing the voters again um just a couple of years from now and if 
she's facing the voters and is just saying, well, I got you this money, but they're not feeling like the quality of the infrastructure or the amount of flooding or the the competency of the sewage and water board has improved. I don't know that they're going to be impressed with dollar figures. I think they're impressed with. Or she's going to face the voters, or she said that she is planning on going back to the voters to ask for a drainage fee. That's and if she, if she right. can't prove that she's got a concrete plan for how to spend this money, um, I doubt that there would be... She, I think she would have to do that before she goes to the voters again right. and asks for more. Yeah, I think there's going to be a debate about when that should happen. Right. Um, yeah. Well, um, that's about all the time we have, but thank you guys both for joining me today. And um, an interesting, interesting first year we've seen. Very much so. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. All right. The Neutral Ground is brought to you by Gardner Realtors with music provided by David Bodie. We welcome your feedback and your ideas for future shows. Email me at grussell with two S's and two L's at theadvocate.com or call me at 504-636-7437. Hope to see you next week.